Hey friends, it's Kara Kay, and this is the Asking for a Friend podcast, a show for the woman who has questions about herself, the church, and the world. We are all asking tough questions that affect us as women in the culture that surrounds us, and we are looking for a safe space to ask them. But don't worry, I know you're only asking for a friend. All right, friends. Well, we find ourselves coming to the end of the year, and it has definitely been a challenging year. Lots of suffering, lots of hardships. And so I am excited to invite Wendy to join me today just to talk through this topic and how we can find comfort in the midst of suffering. So welcome, Wendy. I'm so excited to sit down and chat with you today. Thank you, Kara Kay. I'm really honored to be here. Yeah. Would you just kick us off and share a bit of your story? Now, you just released a book called Companions in Suffering. Now, would you share a bit of your story? What led you to write the book and what has your journey been like through suffering? Um, Yeah. So I'm glad to share a little bit about that. I, um, in, in 2012, some circumstances hit our family and um, started heading me toward a divorce I didn't want um, in my marriage and something I worked hard uh, to not experience. But in the end, I was divorced in uh, 2015. And so then I moved home uh, closer to family. We kind of picked up our life. We had lived for 13 years in Seattle and I brought my boys home to South Carolina to live on our family farm because I really needed the support. I couldn't afford uh, to live in Seattle any longer. And so, and then just as we were picking up the pieces of our lives, um, you know, because it really, you you had two of the most stressful events right there together, uh, both divorce and a move Mm -hmm. across country. It was very stressful for both of my children. And uh, um, about a year later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and it was really that uh, I feel like there's a level of suffering when you were kicked, when you were down. Yes. So some of us can endure through maybe a first round of suffering, even if it's brutal. Mm-hmm. But I found with so many people, it's the demoralization of a second weight poured on top of the first. And I've, I've found this with so many friends that a lot of folks can bucket up in faith for the original wave, yeah. but it is the second or the third wave. And we see it in Job's life um, where there is a progression through yes. the wave. You know, he starts off with a really beautiful faith statement. And then a couple chapters in, he is struggling right. deeply. And I know for me, I just felt so much like I had been kicked in the gut. Like I was doing my best to bucket up, get out of the bed, rebuild my life for me and my kids, to earn the funds we needed, to support my elderly parents. You have got to be kidding me that I, I now have breast cancer. Right. And uh, thankfully, I didn't have to go to, through chemotherapy, but I, I did have about five surgeries in a three-year period. Um, Because we kept finding something else wrong, something else wrong. But as we found each thing, surgery, I was fortunate. I I did have it in my lymph node, but I was fortunate in that I have a good prognosis now. But it was was a rough 
very rough season. I'm sure. Um, for me and my children with the weight upon weight and the Mm -hmm. demoralization of wondering why God was allowing the second and third level of things on me. Right. Ooh, what a journey. So as you have walked this journey of suffering, what would you want somebody else to know as they are maybe on that same journey? What I experienced was that when, when these weights go on and on, and when you get to the point that you're thinking you're starting to take a step up and then mm-hmm. the next wave knocks you over again and you can barely get your breath, there comes a, a, a feeling of alienation. Like I, I felt like everybody else was going on with their lives mm-hmm. and I'm sitting in the surf getting knocked over and over with my face in the ground. Right, right. While, while the rest of the folks made it to shore and they're continuing mm-hmm. on with the marathon of life and yes. I'm stuck, you know, in the Ironman, I'm stuck in phase one and they're mm-hmm. on to the phase three. And so it's that alienation that comes with that. But the problem I felt was that even when I was with people, good meaning people who loved me in person, family, friends, friends from church, I would still feel alienated in my own head. Mm, yes. But then I also had moments like in the ICU um, and in hospital recovering where I was alone. Yeah. I was physically alone despite the best efforts of people who loved me or, you know, in, the, in my bed in the dead of night mm-hmm. or, you know, in the hours in between someone coming to see me at the hospital or someone coming to see me as I recovered. So you have these dark nights of the soul you have these dark days of the soul where you need to know you're not alone and jesus says it's oh it's such a favorite passage of me in john 14 18 where he tells his disciples i will not leave you as orphans because i felt orphaned i felt orphaned i felt left alone um you know And what I needed to know was, no, no, I have not left you alone, Wendy. I have not left you alone. And even when I was physically alone, that the Holy Spirit was still with me. Even when I was physically alone, that there were characters in Scripture that identified with me that God had not left me alone in Scripture. Um, And I found such great encouragement through Job because Job says some hard things. Yes. Like Job <laughs> wrestles with God. Right. You know, he tells God at some point, I wish I had never been born. It would have been mm-hmm. better for me if I'd never been born. He tells God, <laughs> I wish you would leave me alone. That's the basic mm-hmm. gist of it. Maybe I can carve out for myself a few good days. Just leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, Job putting words to these emotions that I was feeling, but I didn't want to say that. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've loved God since youth, and God has, I, I've genuinely loved God, genuinely right, right. loved his word since youth. But here I am at this point where I just wish God would leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And so it blessed me so much that God had recorded in his eternal word someone wrestling with exactly that. Mm -hmm. And God even wrote it down in his eternal word. And then he also, in that same book of the Bible says, Job was a righteous man. So he doesn't condemn Job for these words. And that ministered such grace to me. Um, Same with um, Asaph, like particularly Psalm 73, some Mm -hmm. deep wrestling with God. And David in Psalm 69, 
And these are men after God's own heart. Mm -hmm. And God records in his word for us what almost would, you would almost say that's heresy. You know, yeah. David, don't, oh my goodness, Job, don't go there, you know. Mm -hmm. And God says, no, Job was a righteous man. And that just, oh, that was just the deep love of God. I haven't left you as an orphan, Wendy. And here's someone else who felt it too. And I saw him through it and I will see you through it. Um, so that ministered a lot of grace to me. Those are some stories that really have been very impactful for me as well. That's what I'm about here on my show is asking those hard questions and, and wrestling with them and giving women space to do that and feeling that, that they're not alone in asking questions and crying out to God. And so I love that you speak to that in the midst of suffering. I want to get to relationships in a minute, but I want to dig a little deeper into what you're talking about. Cause I think a lot of times we see books or, you know, people speak about suffering and they've gone through these hard times and their thing is, well, my community got me through my, you know, it was my church that got me through. But what about for the people that don't have that? And it's really set out to me when I picked up your book that you're talking about this comfort that we find from God and not necessarily just from the people around us. Dig into that deeper with me. What does that look like? What does it look like maybe tangibly and just in an everyday life when you're suffering, how do you find that comfort in God? I think that if people are really honest, I cannot imagine that humans can alone meet the depth of the needs in our hearts at these mm -hmm. points. I think yeah. they can help. My church helped me so much. And I right. had, I had a network of women and a, a male friend who is um, disabled in a wheelchair and they helped me so much because they had suffered too. Right. right. They were able to help me as I suffered without pat answers, mm -hmm. just more solidarity rather yeah. than solutions. And that's really what you need. Sometimes you don't right. need so solutions. You need solidarity. Yes. You know, and even in the ICU, I had two friends that spent the night with me and three that spent the day with me. And yet there still were points when I was utterly alone in the ICU and points when I was utterly alone in my house. You know, it's just impossible for, and, and times when I was just utterly alone in my soul. Right. Or felt that way in my head. Like I would go into church sometimes and ah, oh, the love that greeted me there. But it was almost like water off a duck's back that mm -hmm. my needs were so deep. Right. Their love could not penetrate the pain in my heart. And I needed something supernatural, mm -hmm. um, something deeper and something supernatural. And that's why I ended up, I don't know which one supplements the other. I really think the community of the saints in person supplements the scriptural companionship mm -hmm. rather than right. vice versa. But I ended up putting Job on um, audiobook, okay. my CSB audio Bible, and I have a loop around my farmhouse and would just walk the loop listening mm -hmm. to Job's wrestling. I would fast forward through the um, his friends. <laughs> yes. I don't need that right Nobody now. Nobody needs that right now. <laughs> and... Um, 
for a long time, I was just listening to Job's wrestling and it would give me language to wrestle. It was a while before I allowed myself toward the end where I, where God responded. But Job was, was the friend I needed to hold my hand right. so I could get to the point where I could hear okay. God's response and receive it and receive it as the good thing it was. God's response at the end of Job, if you haven't walked with Job through the whole thing, seems a little harsh, right? (laughs) counterintuitive to what you think you would say to Job. But I found that with Job as my escort up to that point, then I could hear God's word, submit myself before it and receive it as the gift it really is. But these needs in our hearts, I think, are are deeper Mm -hmm. than any one person can alone fill. Right, right. You mentioned walking and listening to Job. Were there some helpful practices that took you through the process of suffering and brought you closer to God through that? Yeah, I would definitely say um, the long walk, Hmm. um, listening to Job and sometimes not listening to Job, but, and, and I, they told me, you know, I needed to walk after my surgery. So it was a slow walk. Yeah. Um, and particularly, oh, I'd prayed so hard. It wasn't in my lymph node. I prayed that we had caught it early. I'd only missed one mammogram. So it'd been two years since my last mammogram. But by the time they found it, it was in my lymph node already. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming home after that surgery and just, I needed to be moving. And so I definitely encourage people, whatever physical way you can move, yeah. move and moving in the sunlight is helpful. And I'm mm-hmm. thankful I had a little place in the sunlight. I could walk slowly and then listening to Job as I could and turning it off when I needed to turn it off. And I, I think mainly my recommendation is stumble forward in scripture, but it doesn't have to be a strong I mean, there are limits to what you can process. I mean, especially if you're on opioids for pain medicine or something, you have to, I mean, I could maybe get one phrase. I can maybe meditate on a phrase, but I can't meditate on a chapter. Right. Right. I can get one thought. And then sometimes if I got that one thought and I would try to hang on to it and after a few minutes walking, it's gone. And so I've got to go review it again. Yeah. So I slowly stumbled through scripture, just like I slowly stumbled along the path I was walking and felt a great deal of freedom and grace and lack of condemnation from God because I was Job and and Asaph and David were my companions. Mm -hmm. It helped me to have grace or to understand God was extending me grace as I wrestled through it. Yeah. I think that's such a good reminder because for people that have been following God for a a long time and walking with him, and then you face this suffering, you almost feel like your relationship has to look the exact same way that maybe it always has. Right. But that's such a good reminder that he does offer us grace in that. And it doesn't have to look like it maybe always did or, and, and it might never look the same again, but he's always there to catch us. What about the people that are struggling to find any sort of relief or comfort? Maybe they're right in the middle of their suffering. Where would you point them to? You know, if you have a friend that has suffered, Mm -hmm. I would ask them if they could just pray with you for you. Mm -hmm. 
because um, it was helpful to me to have folks that would pray for me when I couldn't muster it up for myself mm-hmm. or read scripture to me mm-hmm. yeah. when I couldn't really figure out what to read for myself mm-hmm. and maybe write out if you can, maybe three or four verses that are like faith nuggets. Like I love be still and know that I am God. Yeah. And sometimes I couldn't process a thing more than that. Right. And so I just needed that raw nugget Mm -hmm. to hang on to be still and know that I am God. And, um, you're on opioids, you're in the ICU, the doctor said you got cancer in your lymph node, but then he goes off and not returning your calls and never coming by the ICU because someone else is taking care of you now, which was my situation. Mm -hmm. And so it's just playing in my mind all night. Oh, so I have cancer in my lymph node. What does this mean? Well, I don't know. And I can't go to sleep because I'm in incredible pain and it's a very loud ICU. And so I'm up all night on high powered pain medicine, cannot sleep, and you just have to hang on to that nugget. Be still yeah. and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. There's nothing you can do about it. You literally yeah. cannot do a thing about anything right now. Yeah. Be still and know that I am God. You need these nuggets to hold on to. Yeah. So I feel like there's there's those two different types of relationships that I see, and maybe you see it differently, but we can have those, those friends that have walked the road of suffering who have gone through the hard things and get it. And they know how to interact with us. And then there's the people that feel uncomfortable that don't really know how to act around somebody who's suffering. Let's talk about both types of relationships. You mentioned the, the friend who has suffered that's been there. What does that type of relationship look like? How can you cultivate that relationship in the midst of your own suffering? Um, yeah, you know, the Bible uses this uh, passage that I love, and um, I think it's in First Corinthians, that, you know, some people are able mm-hmm. to comfort because they have actually suffered. Right. But then the flip side of that coin is some people are not able mm-hmm. to comfort that same way because they have not suffered that yeah. way. And I thought of them as being disabled to mm-hmm. comfort. Yeah. And that concept gave me grace for them. So if I have some folks and they don't in my life know how to walk with me, all right, I'm going to say that's okay. Yeah. All right. But look for the people who are able to comfort. And what I ended up doing was having a little private Facebook group. Um, And I just asked people that I knew had suffered. Would you be willing to be a part of this? Yeah. Where I put out, and I had about 10 uh, friends where I would put out like my low level. I mean, these are like humiliating cries out. And because each of them had suffered, my friend in the wheelchair, you know, two of them had lost their dads tragically. Mm -hmm. You know, each of them had a painful story and they were just, they were able to comfort me and pray for me. And that little group really kept me sane through some really dark times. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So what would you say to people who are maybe not in a place of suffering, but have a friend or loved one that is, how can they care for them in a real way? I think sometimes we 
we can step in and care for someone immediately when something happens, but we forget that grief and pain is so long-term and it's hard to continue to be there. How would you encourage them? I would encourage them maybe to set a reminder in their calendar mm. to check on someone yeah, that's good. and don't check on them with the question, let me know, or the statement, let me know if you need me okay. to do something. Yeah. You need to go to them with specifics. How can I pray for you today? What mm. are you struggling with today? I am going to the grocery store today. What can I pick up for you today? Um, can I bring you a meal tomorrow? you know, or can I take your kids? This for me. Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) Yes. Can I take your kids to do something Mm -hmm. worthwhile? I had them, friends took my kids to the fair for me Mm because I was right after my mastectomy and I'm not going to be taking my kids to the fair. Right. And someone else took them to uh, one of the Star Wars movies when it first came out and just those kind of things bless me so much because I felt like my kids were missing out on lots of life that I couldn't physically do for them. Right, right. But something practical like that and someone may say, well, no, I don't need that, but I could use blank. Mm -hmm. But I did find that if people said, let me know if you need something, I was, I didn't like that because, and I've done it, so I'm not casting stones, but I learned the hard way. That's not helpful because if someone's really not feeling well, they don't know what they need. Mm -hmm. And so people would get frustrated with me because I didn't let them know what I needed. And I'm like, I'm not thinking that clearly. Did you not know I'm on opioids right now? (laughs) I'm like recovering. Yeah. A lot of times people have a hard time asking for help too, but if somebody offers, sure, you can pick me up. I need these things from the store or yes, Mm -hmm. please take my kids so I can rest and they can have fun. So yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah. So that, that kind of practical question, but also check in with people. The fact Mm -hmm. that they've gone silent doesn't mean they're better. Lots of times that does not mean they are better. That may mean they're so bad off. They don't even know how to get help. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. As we wrap up, I would love to just leave a bit of encouragement for someone who is suffering. I I think everyone has faced a little bit of suffering this year in 2020. For some people, it looks different than others, but would you just encourage someone who finds themselves suffering today? Yeah, I would just encourage you that um, we haven't really talked about Jesus yet, but <laughs> Jesus is so sweet that he's called the suffering servant who is well acquainted with grief. Yeah. So he, and he's compassionate. In other words, he suffers with us. That's what compassion means. He's not out there watching us from afar. He feels it with us. And I love the um, story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, because the Bible says when Jesus saw how upset they were all, he wept. Even though he knew he was about to heal Lazarus, he was not unaffected by their grief. He hurt with them, right? And and he what he didn't hurt because Lazarus was dead because he was he's about to raise him. He hurt because they hurt. Mm-hmm. He hurt because they hurt. He wept because they were feeling pain. And it's it's just sweet to know that he has he is not unaffected. Mm-hmm. 
He's with us in it. He's a suffering servant. And like he knew he was going to heal Lazarus, he's going to heal us, right? Right. You know, we have a terrible sense of time as yes. humans, right? <laughs> and it's just around the corner on God's timeline. Mm -hmm. So he knows he's going to heal it, but he's not unaffected by our pain. Mm -hmm. He cares for us. And we really are not left as orphans to walk these paths alone by ourselves. Right. I just love that the reminder and the knowledge that he does feel our pain because Absolutely. he walked it. He walked in this human body. He experienced grief. He experienced loss. And so he knows the suffering that we're going through. And I think we forget that and we separate ourselves from that. Right. Um, and so it's so good and encouraging to know that he really is our, our comfort and our companion when we, we suffer and we yeah. go through hard times. Wendy, thank you so much for sharing so openly about your story and your um, struggles and just encouraging my listeners today. Would you tell people where they can find you, your books, all that? Yeah, my um, I'm at wendyalsup.com and my books are on Amazon and my latest book, Companions in Suffering Comfort for Times of Loss and Loneliness, is also through InterVarsity Press. Okay, great. And I'm at Wendy Alsup on Twitter. Awesome. Well, I will link to all that in the show notes so people can find you and grab your book. Such a great encouragement and read, especially in this season of loneliness and suffering. So thank you again, Wendy, for just pouring into us today. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed talking. I'm Kara K. James, and you've just listened to the Asking for a Friend podcast. I hope that you are inspired and encouraged by these conversations to step out of the status quo and engage in conversations that matter. You can find the show notes for this episode and subscribe at karakjames.com slash podcast. I also love connecting with you on social media. I'm at karakjames on Instagram and Facebook and at karakjames on Twitter. You can also subscribe to my newsletter at karakjames.com slash newsletter. This podcast is meant to provide you with a safe space to work through the questions that you have about yourself, the church, and the world around you. Please never hesitate to reach out if you need a safe place to land. Thank you so much for listening and keep asking questions for a friend.